Tonight, on a regular episode of NXT Revisited, join a man so hated by his peers nobody else wants to work with him, and join a man whose content is so terrible people ask him to stop doing shows, Jason Troy. NXT Revisited. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is NXT Revisited. And for the second week in a row, we know there's an episode that dropped. Uh, it was lackluster. So we are instead going to focus our efforts solely on this past Friday's NXT TakeOver New York. And we should hold on just to clarify. Uh-huh. I know I haven't even been introed yet, but what the fuck? I'm going to talk anyway. Right. Just to clarify, when you say an episode dropped, you mean of NXT, not of our show, because our show was fucking quality last week. That's true. That's true. That's true. An episode of NXT proper, the WWE brand. And by the way, that is Jason. Welcome, Jason. Hey, what's up? Hey. Uh, I am Troy, in case you, you didn't realize that from the opening. We got eight more fucking minutes, Troy. Let's get this thing going. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so um, yeah, last week obviously we had the go home show, which was really just a clip show with the match or two thrown in. So obviously we did our preview. This week, you know, we had just the matches that took place before Takeover, um, which was. Would you correct me again? We had Aaliyah versus Candice LeRae. Uh, Candice LeRae secures the victory. As one would expect she would. Uh, you had the Street Profits versus, was it Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner? Yep. Street Profits won. Actually, that was a pretty pretty good banger of a match. You should go check that one out if you haven't seen it yet. I enjoyed that. But I enjoy both those teams. Um, and we had Jackson Riker against, uh, god damn it, uh, Oni Lorcan. Or, or, I'm sorry, Orny Loken. And uh, that one went about as you would expect to. Fair enough. So yeah, so that was the the WWE NXT uh, episode proper. But let's take us back to this past Friday. Uh, we we set the stage before Mania. Now, obviously, we are talking about NXT Takeover New York tomorrow. We have a packed show, packed so full of WrestleMania's cock, it's coming out our fucking mouths. It's going to be. It's, it's going to go. Se- it's going to go seven and a half hours. Probably. It's going to be like WrestleMania. Exactly, because we're going to take the exact amount of time that the matches took to discuss those matches, too. Yes. Uh, but that is as tomorrow's show. Let's talk about NXT TakeOver. And uh, we, we do have we have scheduled a seven-second dance break right at the end when everyone's tired, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Got to get that crowd, that, that blood pumping, man. Uh, so, yeah, so NXT TakeOver, five matches. Um, usually this is this is the thing that everyone talks about. Oh, they're going to set the bar, and then the, the WWE pay-per-view is going to limbo under that bar so (laughs) um going into this you know listen again to our our episode last week where we talked about it we knew 
that Gargano and Cole are probably going to burn the house down. We knew Dream and Riddle could could be a potential show stealer. We knew a foregone conclusion the tag team match, and of course we knew that Walter was going to slap the shit out of Pete Dunne, and the women were probably going to going to perform very well. So let's see if our expectations were matched. So we start things off with the War Raiders taking on Black Shea. Now, spoiler alert for Mania. Alistair Black and Ricochet proceeded to go for every single tag belt currently available in WWE in the matter of one week's time, and they lost all three matches. Which did not stop Michael Cole on Raw from talking about what a role they were on. So As well, <laughs> as well on SmackDown, Tom Phillips saying Alistair Black and Ricochet are at the top of the tag team mountain right now. And are one of the best teams around. They lost a shit ton. They probably have a 50-50 record at this point. I would guarantee that I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say guarantee, but I would be willing to bet significant money. They are the first team in history to compete for the championships on all three brands in one week and lose all three times. Probably, yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> of course, like I said... Every single but hey, look, look, look at it this way, though. Ricochets of Black at least got those title shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could be Sanity. So there is that. That's true. That's true. They could be Heavy Machinery, too. Um, War, every single one of us on the rundown picked War Raiders. Of course they wound up winning. Uh, but the match definitely didn't disappoint. Um, but again, like we knew how this one was going to end. So kind of takes away a little bit of the enjoyment of it. Because you're like, well, I already know how this is going to turn out. Um, but, you know, the match itself, still a good match. The War Raiders are dudes that can work. Alistair Black and Ricochet, you can't say anything bad about their, their current runs right now, other than the win-loss record, maybe. But in terms of match quality, they continue to, to shine. So what were some of the of the moments that really stood out for you in this match? I, I guess overriding the, the thing that stood out the most for me, I, I wasn't a fan of the, sort of the nonsensical. They called it like, oh, they're a show of respect. It just sort of looked stupid. They just stopped going after each other at random points, and I, I didn't so much like that because it didn't seem to fit the character of either of these teams. There was no history. There was no reason for them to show respect. It's like you want to keep your fucking title, you stay on top of the guy. So I, didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, but overriding this match to me was fantastic. I mean, he, you got four uh, just amazingly talented workers, and I'm going to love pretty much any match Todd Hansen has because that's my boy. Um, but there were a couple moments where this match was so good where even I bought into a Ricochet or Aleister Black near fall, knowing full well they weren't going to win these titles. They, they even got me a couple of times. And that finishing sequence with Hansen taking out was it black on the floor, and then the leg drop combo on Ricochet, just tremendous. And then, of course, the emotion of the post-match as the crowd recognizes what's going to happen. Uh, black and Ricochet with the the War Raiders with the bow, which is something you never see in a WWE product, like the the wrestlers bowing to somebody who they know is leaving the territory. Yeah. Um, and then Ricochet and out and Ricochet clips his eyes, uh, saying goodbye. This is a guy who's only been a part of NXT for a year. Um, literally a year. His debut in ring was at WrestleMania weekend last year. Yep. Um, 
so for him to show that sort of emotion at the concept of leaving NXT just really does tell you what a special special place this is, uh, and that's not just lip service. It clearly affects the performers. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, the we'll have to see what happens with Alistair and Ricochet in the future. Obviously, you know, next week we have um, the the Superstar Shakeup. Not sure if they're going to keep these guys together. Not sure if they're going to keep them as a team. Both of them obviously have huge potential awaiting for them on the main roster. Maybe they'll finally have a brand. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's what I would assume. I assume that all of our little little NXT kiddos without brands are going to get them. Or they'll get shaken up back to NXT like EC3 and Nikki Cross should. Hey, there you go. Um, and then the flip side of that, the War Raiders. Um, you know, we kind of went into this saying, well, we're not sure what happens with them after this because this challenge was against two guys that they just kind of threw together. Um, and, you know, so obviously you look at guys like the Street Profits, um, the Forgettable Sons. You know, there's a lot of heel teams right now in NXT that could easily step up and go against the War Raiders at the, the next event, or at least something in between until we get maybe another, you know, uh, another top team in there. Um, looks like my prediction of the Street Profits joining the main roster didn't come to fruition, but um, we'll see what happens with them, you know. Where do you see the War Raiders going from here, though? Uh, I can definitely see a, a program with the Forgotten Sons coming up. Uh, not that I'm necessarily a huge fan of it. I'd love to see a program with the War Raiders and the European Union guys. I think they could really do some do some stuff together in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, Street Profits, certainly a possibility. Of course, they'd probably need to turn heel. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where we go from here. It, it's going to be fun. Um, I think the War Raiders at this point have clearly established themselves. And, of course, there's always the specter of Undisputed Era. Uh, we Again, we've, we've said it on the show before, we really haven't seen Fish and O'Reilly versus the War Raiders yet, so that will be a lot of fun, and I'm assuming that's probably going to be the next program, but we'll see. Uh, and, and as we talk about this, before we close out this match, can we just I talked about how I bit a couple times on near falls in this one. Mm-hmm. That fucking shooting star that Ricochet hit... Where he hit it and bounced off of <laughs> fucking uh, like five feet in the air after he made contact. I fucking bit on that. I thought that was it when he had that. Uh, just unbelievable. You know, especially you had Black sort of blocking it. The one thing I, I... We see these things happen in wrestling, and they're good. And because they're good, they get so overused so often. And this whole thing of the guy standing in the ring and the the other guy coming in to tackle him on to break up the pinfall is starting to become a little too often. Yeah, we obviously saw it in in this match. We saw it again at Mania. And then I'm pretty sure we saw it on Raw, same two teams. We saw it on Raw, yep. And yeah, I'm I'm with you on that where you're just like, okay. Like... Like it was cool the first couple times. Right. Now it's it, you don't do it in every single match, right? Or at least if you're going to do it that way, change it up. Have a you know drop kick the other guy that's up into the pile. You don't have to right. You know, do something yeah. different. You know, right? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, it starts becoming the same fucking tope suicidal to the outside that we see in every fucking NXT match. Right. Or, uh, well, and it's just, I think that's anything. Like, I don't think Dean Ambrose's lunatic lariat would get the same hatred it gets if he wasn't doing it three times in every match. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course, you, you know, once Shawn Michaels went down to NXT, everyone had a super kick, so. <laughs> but that was also a little bit of the Young Bucks influence as well, too. Oh, a lot of the Young Bucks yeah. influence. 
So yeah, slap so. that leg, motherfuckers. All right, let's roll. Uh, yeah. So the next match was for the NXT North American Championship, and again, the rest of these four matches, the hosts were split on every single one of them. That's that's how, like, that's the beauty of NXT. That's the beauty of NXT. Yeah, is you can see. I mean, in the women's Fatal 4 match, every single woman got picked by at least one host. That's amazing to me. That, like, you can you can have have four people built up where any of them can conceivably be, you know, champion. That's crazy. So this one, of course, uh, me, Adam, and you all picked Matt Riddle, and we all had a good reason for it. We thought Velveteen Dream was going to drop the title because he was bound for the NXT Championship. Right. Uh, so Jeff, Sal, and Ginger all picked Velveteen Dream to retain, which, of course, would mean that Matt Riddle gets his first loss. And typically in NXT, if a guy has a winning streak and they specifically call out that they have winning streaks, they tend not to lose. <laughs> and they tend not right. to lose for a long time. And a guy like Velveteen Dream, yes, he just got the North American Championship, but he's a guy that has proven that you maybe don't he doesn't he doesn't really get affected by losses you know he right. lost, he lost a lot on his way to the North American Championship and it never slowed him down yeah so, no exactly um, so it was it was to me and clearly to you and Adam as well a surprise that Velveteen Dream actually retained the championship here yeah it was um, so. First off, first off, right off the bat, uh, despite WrestleMania happening the day after, Velveteen Dream might have had my favorite entrance of the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let, let's break this one down. For <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, so Velveteen Dream, the North American champion, uh, comes out on a pedestal uh, with with dudes carrying it. Of course, he is. He it's, well, it starts with was it my? Um, oh God, what was the song? What was the song they started with? They played play one of those patriotic songs. I forget what it was that started the the entrance. Oh, uh, I was watching this with kids around. I don't know if I ever even heard of the song. It was uh, anyway. I don't. Anyway, <laughs> if you think about it, yeah. So of course, because he's the North American champion, it was American themed. So yeah, it starts with that. He he comes out getting carried on on a pedestal. He dressed had, like the Statue of Liberty. Dressed like the Statue of Liberty, complete with the head spikes, and he had a torch in his hand. <laughs> Yes. This was... And, and, like, you think about how over-the-top some of the entrances were at WrestleMania. This was relatively low-budget, if you think about it. <laughs> you know? But fantastic. But so fantastic. And right up his alley. Like, right. this... That's a, totally on-brand for Vel- Velveteen Dream. 100%. Yeah, that's... it's. This is something that has always kind of bugged me about, like, surprise WrestleMania, or the WrestleMania entrances that are, like, over the top. Yeah. Is, like, okay, Triple H comes out. You mean, like, helicopter rides? So you have, yeah. (laughs) Charlotte, we'll talk about it more more tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte arrived in a fucking helicopter to, uh, to what was supposed to be, like, this big, like, fucking hatred filled feud. And she's like, I'm gonna book a fucking helicopter and I'm gonna come in style. And then I'm going to comically wink at the at the fucking camera so they can tell uh, that I'm doing it. Uh, okay, so <laughs> all right, so we're gonna get into that tomorrow. But real quick, uh, just since since you're sort of 
getting on her a little bit for that. I, I don't know if you're aware. That was actually an homage to Ric Flair's entrance at the Great American Bash of 85. He arrived in a helicopter. So that was her paying tribute to Rick. Okay. All right. But still, when you when you are like, I hate these bitches I'm fighting against. Well, she wasn't making her way to the ring just yet. She was just getting off the helicopter. Wow. All right. Well, Triple H. <laughs> Triple H has... Or, no, okay. Triple H is Triple H. Batista had a special entrance. The guy who's, like, beating up old people to get this match. He's like, now that I got it, I gotta think of my entrance. <laughs> but Velveteen Dream... I don't know what it is, but it's gonna involve falling down. But more yeah. on that tomorrow. More on that tomorrow. <laughs> but Velveteen Dream, his character is, I'm the show. Like, right. I do everything big. And he did. <laughs> right. So, no, absolutely. <clears throat> Uh, and then you had Matt Riddle make his entrance uh, in full-on pin, Yankee pinstripes, and at that point I said, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> oh man, you guys, you you Boston guys had a bad weekend for that. I, we've had an entirely bad season so far, so but yeah. I mean, it's early, it's early, but nah, looking so good. Yeah. Uh, well, your 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 favorite son proceeded to show up in a, in a Yankees jersey on WrestleMania, so. First off, it doesn't qualify as our favorite son. Second off, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Third off, I, I gave up on that motherfucker when he wore a Lakers jersey on Raw one year at a time. So. He, was, he was a heel at the time, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. Oh. It was back when McMahon had that whole thing with Kroenke over use of the fucking Denver arena. And they did the thing where they had the guys in the Lakers jerseys take on the guys in the Nuggets jerseys. And because Cena was the face and it was the Nuggets that Kroenke owned, they put fucking Cena in the Lakers jersey. I mean, Cena wore in Boston. So so you can dislike. So so Jack Nicholson, huge Lakers fan, right? Mm -hmm. When they filmed The Departed in Boston, little known fact, a lot of people don't know this. Every time they filmed in a sports bar, they had to take down every piece of Celtics memorabilia or Jack would not film in the theater. Yes. I don't happen to like the Lakers, but I can respect that type of loyalty, mm-hmm. which makes me say, fuck you, John Cena, for wearing a Yankees jersey and a Lakers jersey. Kiss my ass. That's true. Anywho. Oh, so this match. This yeah. match yep. Fuck it. So I don't know what your impressions were. Um, I had very high hopes for this match coming into it. Um, it started off a little slow for me. Um, I don't know if they were just sort of feeling each other out, if the chemistry took a little bit of time to develop. Um, but it definitely felt like they weren't so totally on the same page early on. Uh, but once they got fucking cooking, this thing took off. Um, <laughs> perhaps my most memorable moment was a, a riddle doing the uh, German from the second rope while Velveteen Dream was on the outside, mm. and I thought he fucking paralyzed Dream oh when he dropped him on the top of his fucking head. Yeah. You know, you want to talk about a, a clashing of styles. You know, Riddle has a, a very different style from a lot of the people he, he faces, um, and you do have to have you know, a, a considerable talent in order to to work well with a very different style than yours. And yeah, for sure, Dream did that, you know, and, and Riddle did that as well. You know, they, they matched they they paired up well together after a little bit of time. And and you know, maybe that was just maybe that was them trying to do a little bit more of a slow build to it, or maybe it was just them not quite being on the same page. But yeah, once once they clicked, they clicked. And 
you know, you want to talk about um, just another match where you've got two guys that are really good at selling each other's moves, too. And, you know, Riddle is, again, a guy who hasn't been doing that this long. And Velveteen Dream is 22. Like, (laughs) Velveteen Dream hasn't been wrestling, you know, for that many years as well, too. And, again, we've talked about it numerous times. Every time we talk about Velveteen Dream, we have to talk about the fact that Patrick Clark came a fucking long way in a couple of years. Right, yeah. And and Riddle is another guy who... I mean, when this Velveteen Dream character debuted, people were fucking laughing at him. Like, it was a joke. And he's turned into the most over character without really changing much, except showing his personality. Mm -hmm. He's turned this into the biggest character in in NXT. Yeah. And this was a guy before this that had a Trump supporter gimmick. Right, yeah, yeah. And clearly that didn't work, and somebody finally pulled him aside and be like, dude, you gotta be yourself, man. Right. (laughs) And it's been working. I mean, some of the best gimmicks are as Stone Cold has always told you, yourself just turn up to 11. And right. That is definitely Matt Riddle's gimmick because he is himself. <laughs> yes. Uh, and of course, we have to talk again again. It might be himself turned down a little bit because he's not actually smoking a J as he's walking to the ring. That's true. That's true. Um, we do, of course, have to bring up again that Matt Riddle thought that he was on the WrestleMania billboard and it was Shayna Baszler. <laughs> <laughs> And at least he figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and as far as I don't this know match, why she looks like me, man. <laughs> no, dude, she doesn't. <laughs> Not even in that picture, man. Oh, God. Um, as far as the finish here, I, I liked that they went with sort of a roll-up off of the bro mission. Um, it sort of just left the opening. It wasn't like a dominant victory. It was sort of a victory where they can go back to this if they want to, and, and Riddle has a case, and... Mm. I, I liked it. That was well booked. Yeah, you know, we'll talk a little bit tomorrow about roll-up victories um, that are not used correctly. But this one definitely was because, like you said, I mean, you you have these two guys, and you have a guy like Matt Riddle that this protects him a little bit, right? You know? Because yep. yeah, it it seems like he made one mistake, and it cost him. You know, and for Dream, it continues his character work of he's a, he's an opportunist. Right. He's yeah. he's a heel, but not really a heel. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Know? So, so yeah. So all in all, two great matches to start. So let's talk about the NXT UK Championship match. <laughs> um, this is all right. So <laughs> it's so difficult. It's, it's difficult for me to even talk about this. So Jeff and Ginger both picked Pete Dunne to retain. Uh, me, you, Adam, and Sal all picked Walter to win because we understood the economics of NXT and what they were going for here. That being so, so yes, Walter won. That being said, Pete Dunn is an incredible worker, and but he has a very deliberate style to him in his, you know, joint manipulation. I'll be manipulating my joint when we talk about the next match, but his joint manipulation and the way no, that he no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, we just finished talking about Matt Riddle. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, yeah. Walter uh, is yet another guy who has a certain style about him. His is inability to do anything impressive. Uh, but, yeah, so Walter, hard-hitting guy, beats the fucking piss out of people, and other than that, doesn't have much 
in terms of moves. So you have two guys who are... Pete Dunn could be the fastest motherfucker in the world, but chooses to wrestle a much slower pace usually. And you have Walter, who has nothing but, like, reverse gear. <laughs> and you're asking these two guys to put on a show. <sighs> Walter is a guy that most people either love or, like us, hate. And... <laughs> This match did not do much to sway me in saying that I I want to watch him do another match. All right, so let's be let me be fair here because I was very very critical of Walter coming into this, uh, and I'm going to say this: um, European wrestling is a very different style than what we see in America. So he plays well to that audience. He fits in that style far better than he fits into the American style. Pete Dunn and sort of the beauty of Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate is they can transition and wrestle in a style that's compelling to Americans. I, I Walter Walter apparently does because he has become sort of an indie darling in a way, um, but it just doesn't necessarily translate for me. Um, there were a lot of things I wasn't crazy about in this match. I thought they went to the finger thing way, way too often. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was slow and plodding at points. Um, but I can't deny it was fucking hard-hitting. Mm. It was physical as fuck. Um, and it was compelling. The near falls were good. Everything was tight. There weren't a ton of blown spots. Um, so all things considered, like, it probably exceeded my expectations my expectations weren't super high but i think i found myself enjoying it more than i thought i would okay so you know for me i'm a guy who notices selling and the thing i noticed with Walter is he's a guy who does a lot of selling in the moment you know, a move gets done to him, he goes, ah, oh, that fucking hurts, uh, then he's completely fine. And that's the kind of shit that can get on my nerves a little bit, you know. Um, we talk, I, I talk about it a lot with uh, um, Zack Sabre Jr., who sometimes just proceeds to not sell anything, right. um, but generally doesn't seem to remember that certain things are supposed to be injured on him. Yeah, I thought Walter sold pretty well for Pete Dunne in this one, honestly. Yeah, but like I said, there was there was a few times, you know, enough for me to start noticing it where, yes, he would sell the, the instant a move was done to him or when something was being done to him. And then once that move was done being done to him or once he had moved out of the way, he'd be back to normal, you know. Um, so, but again, maybe, you know, maybe Pop. this... Go ahead. Part of that goes to it, and I've said it on the Rundown show before as well. I hate this fucking movement in professional wrestling where people pretend stuff is broken. Yeah. Because it takes you completely out of it. And they did that when I talked about overdoing the finger spots. That's a big part of it. How many times can a guy's fingers get broken in one match? Right. You know, so you, you know, and again, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. Can't, can't help it because WrestleMania was a big thing, but I look at the Batista match. And there's a guy who they did a, a finger-breaking spot. They didn't go back to it the rest of the match in terms of, like, he didn't keep trying to break his fingers more. 
But Batista kept selling the fact that his hand was fucked up, even though obviously right. it wasn't. You know, right. that's the kind of selling I want to see, and that's the kind of restraint I'd like to see too. Is right. you do one big thing and then it just affects them the rest of the match. You know, right? Especially on something like that. If you, I mean, if you're working a knee, if you're working an arm, that's fine. You know, you can keep working it throughout the match and tell a story that way. But if you're going to do something like that, where we've had it before that Pete Dunne has finished matches by breaking guys' fingers, like Noam Dar, who then proceeded to wrestle again next week, you know, those are the kind of things where you're like, okay, come on, man. Like, you know, I mean, Randy, the, uh, Randy Orton broke someone's fucking finger, or broke Zack Ryder, was it? Oh, I don't even know. What he broke some he broke somebody's fingers and that person was fine a week later. So. He broke Mustafa Ali's face and he had to miss a big title push. Um I mean, that was real. <laughs> um yeah, I, I um for me I will say this. They had done such a good job of protecting the bitter end. Mm-hmm. Very, very few people have ever kicked out of that on television on WWE television. Um so it was special and meaningful when Walter did it. Uh, so that was that was well done. I enjoyed that spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, again, you know, maybe maybe this match just wasn't geared toward us. You know. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, it it wasn't a match that made me go, "This is fucking terrible." You know, it was a match right. that I'm like, I was like, you know, this isn't my thing, but I am enjoying it. I want to see yeah. where it goes. I want to see what happens to it. So. Right. That's so. All right. The next match we had was a four corners match for the NXT Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kyrie Sane. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that's the. Nope. On. No. Nope. The. Take my fucking headphones off. She. I don't even hear you anymore. Said Bianca Belair. All right. So uh, Adam and Jeff both correctly predict that Shayna Baszler would retain. Uh, Io Shirai was picked by me and Sal. Uh, you picked Bianca Belair, and Ginger picked Kyrie Sane to be a two-time women's champion. So, um, this match was a lot of fun, I will say. Um, and Shayna winning to me was rather interesting because, uh, again, I had kind of got it in my mind that oh, you know, Shayna has done kind of everything she she can do down here. She's most likely going to get called up to the main roster. Especially with, you know, Ronda not being scheduled for anything more. And now, obviously, with the handbrake, I thought, well, you know, Shayna would be kind of the perfect person to slide back into that. Um, But instead, what we got was two other people in this match are most likely heading to the main roster (laughs) Uh, (laughs) instead. Which, uh, one of them I completely understand, former champion over that. The other one, kind of a bummer that that means she probably will never be an NXT Women's Champion. So... Um, but then, of course, you had you definitely had the wild card in Bianca Belair because they have they have built her up enough where you could conceivably put the belt on her. You know? um, so um, one of my favorite parts of this match was when Io Shirai and Kairi Sane finally had to come to blows. They did a really good job of telling that story, and then when you had I think it was Io did it first, broke up the pin that. Kyrie would have won, and then Kyrie breaks up the pin later that Io would have won, and then they're both like, "All right, I guess we got to do this." <laughs> Proceeded. Well, I, I, after those pinfall attempts, there was that moment where the camera got close-ups on the face of both of them, and <laughs> Kyrie broke up Io's, and she was almost like, "What? What did I do?" Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it was just instinct, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought that was a great piece of storytelling right oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, and then, yeah, obviously them kind of essentially costing each other the chance and themselves as well, because they, they did, they were working well together for the entirety of the match, and then since it was so late in the match, the two of them kind of turned on each other, just for the match. Uh, yeah, it definitely kind of seemed like they kind of fucked each other and themselves out of the out of the title. So, um, so a good bit of story in there, but eventually it is Shayna Baszler. Um, I, and, and hold on, let's give a little credit to uh, Bianca Belair. That double KOD spot oof. on both the girls, that was fucking power. <laughs> this girl is fucking powerful. Right, yeah. You know, you, you forget... You have so many really talented people that you forget how important timing is on things and, and how important time, looks of certain things are. And, you know, especially when you think about on SmackDown where Rusev completely fucks up a stunner because he for- doesn't get down quick enough. You know, you, you kind of forget how important certain timing is on people. And this match had a, a ton of those different moves where, you know, somebody would, would come flying in, you know, seemingly out of nowhere because of where the camera is and stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, that was close. If, if they if they would have been a second off, that's it. It would have either been a three count or it would have looked like a botch finish kind of thing. You know? Right. Well, and, and how often one of the, that's one of those things in wrestling that's sort of becoming a little passe. The whole uh, I'm going to do my move to two people at once thing, but we see it so often. Um, but you look at how it, it how horribly executed it is when Natalia tries to do that double sharpshooter. Yeah. But then you look how beautiful Bianca Belair made this double KOD look, yeah. and you really got to give her take a hat off to her for that. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, like you said, I mean. Uh, Please, Natalia. Please kill yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the interesting aspect of this um, match to me was with the finish, where it almost felt a bit like Shayna stole one. You know, she's been booked. As oh, I don't know. She made she made Bianca tap this time. Last time Bianca passed out. This time she actually tapped. So I thought yeah, this was a stronger she, win for Shayna than last last time. She she tapped, but it was kind of she she snuck in there after the damage had been done. You know, by Kyrie. Yeah, that's kind of thing, so. that's how these multi person matches go in general. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But but like I said, it was. I mean, Shayna's always been booked as booked to be very strong. Um, so. Her getting a tap out victory definitely does reinforce that. Yeah, I mean, um, strong, but she's outnumbered here, so yeah. she she you know, sort of outsmarted the field with how she did it. I, right. I I liked that part. Yeah, and the, and the nice thing was she did it without, you know, Lady Groot and and Batgirl too. Right. It wasn't until after the match that they actually came out. So I like that too, is because now it sort of takes away her ability. There, it, it sort of takes away anyone else's ability to say that Shayna doesn't deserve the belt, you know, right. or did, or didn't win because oh, it was just your girls helping you out again, you know. So right. now, so now you've got a heel who can sit there and say I am the greatest, and they can mean it. So, right. um, so now that she has been passed out and tapped out, do you think Bianca Belair's mindset is still on the fee? Ted. <laughs> I know. I Worst know, fucking gimmick ever. I know where the Sky Pirates are going. They're going to the main roster. They're going Who? to SmackDown. The Ass Pirates. Okay. <laughs> I don't know 
precisely where Shayna goes next. Um, potentially, Candice LeRae can start being kind of built up, um, so they can maybe do. A, yeah. You know, I, I think Shane is a great foil for Becky down the line somewhere. Yeah. Um, but now you have to kind of look at Bianca and go, what? Not even what do, does she do next in terms of a feud, but what does she do with her character at this point? Because, like See, you I said, she has been beaten twice, twice in a title match. I, I worry a little bit about Bianca in the same. I think Bianca's going to end up. There, there are a lot of talk that Bianca could be one of the call-ups yeah. come shake-up time, and that's possible. I could totally see that. If she stays in NXT, my concern is that she's going to get relegated to that sort of um, uh, Ember Moon role, yeah. where eventually she gets the title, but she doesn't beat the person who consistently beat her to get it. Right. So it sort of means less. Yeah, especially if you're going to have Shayna be called up and be sort of on both shows for a little bit. You, you could potentially see them do a transitional champion or even make Bianca the change of transitional champion. And, but yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, we've looked at some of the people who have, you know, who have been sort of at the top of their game, not gotten the title, and then, you know, you just kind of flounder for a little bit, or, or maybe they start putting over some of the new talent coming in. Right. And yeah, that, that can be worrisome for Bianca because as good as she is, you know, she she is still a person who is a far more of a character, and right. you have to kind of question where that character goes now that it's you keep losing. So, <laughs> no, 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 she's still on. No, the no, fee no, Ted no. <laughs> Our main events. It's a two out of three falls match between Johnny Gargano and Adam Kobebe. And this one was split right down the middle. Adam, Sal, and you all picked Johnny Gargano. Me, Hefe, and Ginger all picked Adam Cole. And I was a little nervous about this one because I thought there was a good chance that we were going to see the start of time where this era becomes on the Dude, I'm going to spew. <laughs> Ted. I'm going to end the call. <laughs> uh, so, I mixed it up that time. All right, well. It was topical. So because of the fact that Johnny won, uh, Adam and Sal actually tied for uh, picks this week for NXT. If Adam Cole would have won, Jeff would have taken it. So, Which is a shocking turn of events I for know. anyone who's followed our predictions. Well, he seems to have given his his horrible picking ability to Ginger, so... Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm surprised Ginger didn't pick Blackashay, honestly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so... Um, Gargano and, and Cole. This was amazing. Yes. The, the storytelling in this, first off... Um, was in a very short period of time, they built this and gave it a huge fight feel. Mm. Yeah. I then proceeded to to use the entirety of this match to continue to tell the story of Adam Cole maybe being a little bit superior to, to Johnny, but Johnny just not giving the fuck up. And, you know, we started things off um, with, with Cole getting the first fall. Um, Cole was also over as fuck. This crowd, there were certain parts of this crowd that was booing Johnny Gargano. Yes, yeah. To the at the start of this match, yeah, Cole got a huge pop when he uh, he hit the 
what is it? Last kiss? Last call. Last call. Hits the last call, winds up pinning Gargano for the three. Um, so, of course... Oh, last shot, I'm sorry, last shot. Last, okay, last shot, yeah. It's There's a million of them that are last something, so or money shot. Uh, so, yeah, so Adam Cole hits a money shot into Johnny Gargano's face, uh, winds up pinning him, the crowd pops for it. And, yeah, I was kind of like, interesting. <laughs> He's not supposed to be the good guy. This is supposed to be, like, Johnny's supposed to be kind of the Daniel Bryan... Uh, you know, when he was making his big run to it. So, um, but from there, obviously, Johnny was able to to bring the, car, the the crowd back onto his side just by overcoming shit. Right. Um, so, the second fall... Oh, God. Second fall was uh, a little bit of a beautiful moment because, and I don't even know how many people caught it, um, that was a nod because... The it it happened on a Gargano escape, That's but the Gargano escape came on a reversal of the Tommaso Ciampa armbar. Mm-hmm. So Adam Cole applied Tommaso Ciampa's armbar, and it was almost a nod to this was supposed to be the spot from Ch- if if Ciampa had been here. Yeah. Yeah. This is and, and I sort of loved that little just little detail. That again, I'm not sure a ton of people caught that, but to me it was really just cool storytelling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, from there, after they were tied, all hell broke loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From there, when once they were tied up, it was seriously like just two guys beating the ever loving piss out of each other. Well, I, I mean, before we even go into it, just after that second fall, before we start the third fall, there was just this moment where the, they had a camera on each one of the guys' faces, yeah. and there's just this moment of realization, like. It's fucking go time, motherfucker. Like, yeah. they both sort of looked at each other like, all right, now we know this is fucking it. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Yeah. So, leading up to this, you had a very cocky Adam Cole. And then after he takes that fall, it was like, okay, it is fucking oh. serious. You know? And, and beautiful job even on that fall because as soon as it got locked in, he tapped and Morrow did a great job of, of telling the story of, like, he knows he's got another fall mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to risk getting injured by trying to fight this too long. So I thought that was great. Yeah. Oh, very, yeah. very well. Yeah, you, you, you saved Cole a lot of trouble there. By, by, you know, Morrow really did the heavy lifting in this match for the things that, that they couldn't come right out and say for it. Right. Um, and I know I'm critical of Morrow a lot because he... Morrow is just this generation's Jim Ross, really, is what I've realized. He's just really fucking loud and animated and throws catchphrases left and right and stuff like that. I Listen, I, and he caught a lot of shit for it, and rightfully so at the time. Mm-hmm. Um... In a way, I think we all owe a nod of thank you to JBL for being an asshole, because I can't imagine this NXT product without Mauro Ranallo as the voice of it at this point. Yeah. See, and um, the only only thing at this point now with Mauro that kind of gets me is there are definitely times that he uses more words than than, than needs to be for certain things, but then he also has, he brings so much energy to it. Right. He, he amps you up with it. Yeah, his passion is contagious yeah, for the product. Exactly, yeah. So even even though some of the things he says I'm just like I I might roll my eyes at it's when 
when they do things like Gargano fucking hitting his finisher and then Cole kicks out and he's just, oh my god, you know, it's not. It's, have you seen the video of like him at ringside calling the match? Oh like god. they have a camera that's just on him. Oh my god. Oh, go look for it on YouTube if you've never seen it. It is fucking fantastic how amped he gets, and you don't see it normally, but you can hear the call, and it's just like. The, Vince has a camera that's just on the announcer so that he can see if they can do facial cues or hand signals or whatever that he can yeah. he can see it. Um, but they have one on Moro at all times, and they decided to release some of it, nice. and it is fantastic. Well, I know that they that they like playing that one shot of him from the the best of NXT video where he's standing up. Yeah, that's one of that. That's very similar. It's, yeah. it, that it's like a five minute loop of that. Nice. Yeah, and again, like I said, I mean. <laughs> I'm I'm not not the biggest fan of Maro, but for sure, you know he feels much more at home here than he ever did on SmackDown yeah, by far. And obviously, part of that is he can just be himself. He doesn't right. have someone in his ear fucking telling yep. him to say it's balls time. Remember how good Tom Phillips was down here too? Yeah, man. I mean, that's it's what happens when. Remember how good Corey Graves was in NXT? How we're calling him the next great announcer? Yeah, it's it's what happens when you've got somebody in your ear telling you how to do your job. When it's just like, dude, you hired me, you right? Know? You brought me up uh, based on what I did. You know? Right. What's wrong with that? That was working oh. just fine. You know? Yeah. No, we gotta get we gotta get our catchphrases out. It's oh, I'm sorry, I just spoke to. I, I believe now he's just Graves. So. That's true. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah, so a um, lot of reversals in this match, a lot of count yeah. out of finishers. Um, Favorite of... spot of the match, though, by far, the slingshot DDT on the apron. Oh, man. That was my oh shit, jumping out of my chair moment in this mm-hmm. match. Yeah, and again, this was a match where you you didn't know what was going to happen because both of these guys, you're like either one, they could put that belt on. Yep. And either one of them, I could see why they would put the belt on. This, right. there, there wasn't a case of like, well, it's totally got to be Johnny. You're like, no, it doesn't totally have to be Johnny. They could right. easily put this on. Um, and then, and then that was when we started to get these string of false finishes, where Adam Cole kept doing every fucking thing in his power to put Johnny away. It was just hitting big moves, and then getting a fucking two count, and then his facial expressions every time. Johnny kicked out, helped to sell this match too. Yeah, where he would just sit there and just look like, the fuck do I gotta do, right. dude? <laughs> and this was, oh, by the way, I think we, I think we missed it or we didn't touch on it. Uh, at one point, Adam Cole they go out to the outside and Adam Cole hits Tommaso Ciampa's finisher, the fairy tale ending, mm-hmm. on top of the table. That didn't break, by the way. Didn't and fucking budge, dude. Little fucking Stiffsky. Um, but yeah, there were a couple of those moments, like I talked about with the armbar, where they really sort of paid a little homage to Tommaso Ciampa and the fact that he couldn't be in this match. I thought that was fucking outstanding. Um, you get towards the end of this thing, and Adam, on our rundown Adam from our network, uh, on our host thread, went and made the case that he thought there were too many false finishes and it took away from the match. And if you have that opinion, I can totally see. It's a totally valid opinion, and I can totally understand it. Uh, my position was, and still is, that all those false finishes served a tremendous purpose because we talked about that crowd early on and how they were sort of totally there for Cole and booing Ciampa, not Ciampa, uh, Gargano. And every one of those false finishes built that 
built that wave of support for Gargano until that final submission, that final tap out to the Gargano escape, and the roof blew off the fucking building. And I don't know that you get that reaction without all those false finishes building up that sort of wave of support for Johnny. Yeah, for sure. Um, I Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If they would have, you know, just ended this, um, you know, with without that string before that, I think that it, it would have caused the crowd to give maybe a little bit more of a, okay, kind of reaction instead of the reaction that we got. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I didn't really have any any nits to pick on this match. I thought it was just a, a it's it's a match of the year contender for sure. Yeah, so far. Yeah. Um, I loved the, the when the undisputed era got involved and Adam Cole hit that last shot. The entire crowd, myself, was convinced that was it. That was the. It's like oh shit, um, and that kickout was just. It was almost like. I don't even know how to describe it, but it was like that seeing your best friend overcome all the odds and accomplish. Like it was really cool. Um, and and in retrospect, and thinking back, and like I said, we could have we went into this saying we could see it going either way, and that was sort of the beauty of it. Looking back, at some point, Gargano is going to go up to the main roster and be a full time guy, and and the Gargano story just wouldn't have felt right if he had never won this title. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, this I'm, was this was very much a needed thing for him. Even if it's a short reign, he had to he had to have been the guy that held that title at some point, or the Johnny Gargano story would never have actually been complete. Yeah, you know, I you look at you look at some other people like Bailey and Sami Zayn, the same kind of thing. You know, if yeah. they, if they had never won those championships, you know, you don't you don't really feel the conclusion to their story. You know, right. Yep. Um, you know, Sammy's a big redemption thing, and then obviously Bailey's, you know, like trying to win the big one. You can't win the big one, yeah. Which was sort of the theme that Adam Cole kept playing with Gargano too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which Adam Cole should probably also kind of look at too. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, that this was what his only second title match, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, and we talked about and, and and just in the scope of talking about as we speak about NXT. Um, we talked about the NXT UK title match earlier. That title has been in existence for two years. Valter is the third champion. Was it two years or three years that that title is? Three years. Cause, three years, yeah. Yeah. So, and Valter is only the third champion. Yep. You look at the North American title, that title has been around for a year, and we're on, what, the fourth or fifth champion now? Well, it was... Ed so it was Cole, Cole, Ricochet, Gargano, and now... Um, Velveteen. So yeah, four champions in one year. Yep. So uh, they've protected that UK title much more than than the other titles well, that they we, have. We have women's tag team belts, and there's been two champions in three months. So right, <laughs> you know, and potentially we might have a third real quickly here. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So um, while I do think that the UK championship, um, Pete Dunne's run. Might have been maybe a little bit too long, um, just because of the fact that he kind of blew through everybody. Um, it's it's interesting now to see what happens with him because uh. whenever you got a, got a guy who has a belt for that fucking long, you you always kind of he's synonymous with the belt, you know? right? And now you're like, well, he doesn't have it anymore, so 
what does he do? You know, he, he needs to move up to the main roster. It's yeah. time for him yeah. uh, to to make that jump. Um, right, because, so now, because if he wins wins it again, it's just never going to be as good as that first time. Yeah, exactly. You know? So. Uh, so going back to this, Johnny gets the tap out on the um, Gargano escape, which is interesting that Cole tapped out twice. With all the finishers Johnny can throw at you, they actually had Cole tap out twice, which mm-hmm. was a bit surprising. Um, and then sort of the really cool moment, moment Candice LeRae comes out and basically tackles Johnny yeah. in celebration. Mm-hmm. And just the sheer joy um, of watching Johnny celebrate with his family. And, and wow, this fucking – all the feels are coming, right, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they walk up the ramp, oh, God. And, and Johnny turns around, and the camera cuts for a second. You hear the crowd go wild, mm-hmm. and the crowd, the camera cuts back, and you just see Tommaso Ciampa walking behind Johnny. And then the great one shot of Johnny, where you can see, you read his lips, you can see him say, "He's behind me, right? He, he, he's <laughs> right behind me, isn't he?" Yeah. Uh, and then he turns around, and you're not sure what's going to happen, and then just fucking. A, a huge embrace mm-hmm. between Gargano and Champa and Candice. And if you've watched the Tommaso special on the WWE PC uh, YouTube channel, and if you're not subscribed to that channel, you should. There's some great stuff on there. Um, they did a whole special on Tommaso and uh, his surgery and, and everything. And if you watch that, there's no way you could ever boo this guy again. Uh, yeah, but man. to me, this was sort of the official closing of the Gargano Ciampa story. This was them closing that book and saying this is the end of it and we may never see Gargano and uh, Ciampa in the ring again and that's a, a real tragedy and hopefully that's that's not the case. Hopefully he gets does make a comeback. But but this is it. I don't I don't need to see anything more on this story. This to me was Gargano winning the title closed that story. It wasn't necessarily the way we wanted to close that story, but as far as I'm concerned that book is closed now. Yeah. It it does make you kind of wonder what the plan was, you know. If if it wasn't for the injury, was it going to end in them sort of making up, you know, like this, where you know Johnny wins a championship and Tommaso hugs him and kind of you know shows some respect to him, or was it going to just be kind of a continuation of it? So I don't know. We'll, we'll never know. Um, uh, apparently, for those in attendance, I don't know if you caught this. After they went off the air, they sort of did a thing where they teased Tommaso, teased like he was going to throw Gargano into the thing, and then they sort of like all laughed about it. Nice, very nice. Uh, so yeah, so God, man, another another fucking takeover delivers. Um, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> again, the worst match on the show uh, was probably the women's match, and that was still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, the the least enjoyable was probably Pete Dunne and Walter, but still, it was still an enjoyable match. And it was still a thing that had its spots, had you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. The biggest thing the biggest thing for me is always, you know, am, what am I paying more attention to? Am I paying more attention to my phone, or am I paying more attention to, to the TV I'm watching? The fucking right. thing on? And there was never really a time during this, other than in between matches over that, that I was... So full disclosure, that I was fucking exhausted. We had done the rundown Thursday night. I was exhausted by the time yeah. Friday rolled around, um, and I ended up passing out on my couch while this was going on. And I woke up in time to see Gargano celebrating with the title, so I already knew he had won. I was like, all right, I'll go to bed. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, the true measure of this was I went back a couple days after to sit down and watch the full match in its entirety. Mm. And I was still fucking captivated, even though I knew what the end was. And that, to me, tells me all I need to know about how good this match was. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, so yeah, top to bottom, another great show. Um, and then from from us or from NXT for both. Okay. Um, so we will be back next week. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, motherfucker. Well, yes, but <laughs> NXT Revisited will be back next yes. week. Uh, going right back to watching the actual pro- program again. Um, yes. So, um, obviously, we know they are currently filming, or probably are done at this point, um, the next couple of weeks of TV. So, spoilers are out there. Where We, as always, will know them, too. I already do. Uh, <laughs> but doesn't doesn't stop us from enjoying NXT every week. Uh, and of course, if you enjoy two guys talking about NXT, you're definitely enjoying this as well. Yeah, and then hit that rundown feed. Give us a five star review. Show us some love. Uh, we're doing this for the love of the game, and, and we'd appreciate a little support. Yeah, and um, you know we have a new show coming out on Friday, but right now you could go and listen to it by becoming a member of Patreon. You can become our Patreon by going to Patreon.com/RundownWrestling. Uh, we have tiers as low as $5 a month, and it gets you all of the early access shows before they hit your phone or hit the website. You can listen to shows like the Nitromania podcast, our new, pod, our, our new show that's coming out this Friday, um, WrestleMania Salvation. Um, not really... Hurry Up and Cruiserweight and NXT are not really part of that because... Our they go live. They go, they go live right after we're done watching the show, and of course, the rundown proper is a show that happens every Thursday. And and last week we brought back our live YouTube uh, experience yeah. as part of the rundown, which hopefully will be continuing because that's a lot of fun. Yeah, so you can go to uh, rundown or Jesus Christ, you can go to YouTube.com/slash/rundownwrestling uh, and see me make Sal a uh, Sal's life. No, 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 no. Go, go to rundownwrestling.com. Give the website the hits and watch yeah. the video as it's posted up there. Yeah, you can you can definitely, you can choose. You can either listen to the audio or you can watch the, the YouTube feed right on our website there. There is... There may or may not be a point where I had no pants on. There, That's true. Um, with the, the YouTube show, you do get a pre and post show with it where we kind of get things set up Say a couple of jokes here and there, uh, then record a little bit of post show as well. And you get to, uh, if you do happen to tune in live, we do have a live chat on that as well. Uh, one of our Patreons, Mike Smathers, is almost always there, and we have a little bit of fun there as well. So, so with that said, I guess that means we will NXT you next week. Bye bye. <laughs>